0: you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about
1: him
2: getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information
1: from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious
3: it's fun it's your catholic drive
0: time now here's your host joe mcclain welcome to the uh, christmas share audio thank you giveaway uh, here on the guadalupe radio network i'm joe mcclain with uh, Rudy Carlos and Adrian Fonseca, we are the team that hosts Catholic Drive Time Monday through Friday all across the the GRN. And we're just thankful that you have donated to our cause, to our apostolate, helping us to keep the lights on, keep the doors open, and Catholic Radio Waves flowing wherever you are. And we have a very special conversation for you in this next hour, and we're grateful that you are here. So uh, joining us in studio is Theoni Bell. She is the author of The Woman in the Trees, a novel about America's first approved Marian apparition, which you can find on atanbooks.com. But it was in a couple of articles that I recently read over at 1 Peter 5, where she talked about a Eucharistic revival that caught my attention. Uh, She quotes the statistics that have come out recently, saying, quote, "...only 49% of Catholics believe in the real presence, according to a 2019 EWTN Real Clear Opinion Research poll. A uh, Pew poll the same year found that only 31% believe that the bread and wine become the real body and blood of Christ." I would say that constitutes a crisis of faith in the Catholic Church today. To discuss this Eucharistic revival, Theoni Bell joins us now. Good morning to you, Theoni. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Praise be to God. So, yeah, the bishops are calling for a Eucharistic revival. Tell me about your perspective.
2: Um, I think it's totally necessary. I think... I'd like to support what they're doing, but I think that hearing about it from even from the pulpit or even from conferences, which I think is the focus of the first two years of the revival. I don't think that's necessarily going to be enough in today's culture to make sure that our children uh, have the faith in the Eucharist that they need. Um, So I wanted to write those articles to help parents get more involved in teaching their kids about the Eucharist, um, just to safeguard them for when they're outside of the home. So I guess I I think we should be partnering alongside the USCCB, um, you know, what they're doing with, uh, they've trained 60 priests uh, to be Eucharistic preachers, and they've sent them out across the country, and then the revival is supposed to end with a huge conference in the third year. But um, like I said, I just don't think that's going to reach the children mm-hmm. who are obviously not paying attention to so
0: that. So it's an opportunity, but much work has to be done here.
2: In the home, I yes. find it
0: One thing I found fascinating was the fact that they, they brought together a group of preachers that they trained and sent out. That reminds me of people like St. Vincent Ferrer, who the, uh, the, the preacher of the apocalypse, really, and uh, tried oh to wake people up in a, in a critical moment in, in church history. So there's an opportunity for the next Vincent Ferrer in all of this.
2: Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been to the website the USCCB created. It's beautiful. There's a ton of really good information on there. I mean, I think Catholics from all sides can go on there and learn something from it. Um, they have podcasts that uh, talk about topics uh, surrounding the Eucharist, and they have— uh, teachings from the catechism on there about the Eucharist. So if you want to find out more about what they're doing, you can visit the website. I yeah. think it's just called Eucharistic Revival. But, um, but I was thinking more about my own children. Um, I, I go to a traditional parish, but I still feel like they need to be learning from me, watching my relationship with the Eucharist mm-hmm. in order to have their own relationship. I don't yeah. think mm-hmm. it's enough for them to hear preaching or even hear it from the pulpit, which my children do hear. Um, I think uh, they need to watch me struggle in my own faith and be part of my faith walk. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way that children um, learn how to be Catholic. You know—
0: For just for one second here on that point i I think family the breakdown in family and society is a real big clue as to why we're having this massive problem where half actually uh, almost half if not more than half of the church just simply does not believe one of the most fundamental teachings of holy mother church and that is christ is present with us in the holy eucharist actually body blood soul and divinity to deny this this is a crisis of faith but we're seeing that breakdown in in society, of family. We don't see a great defense of, of traditional marriage between a man and a woman. Sacramentally, uh, sacramental marriages are, have been down over the past 50-plus years. Uh, sacramental baptisms have been down. I mean, the, the, uh, the numbers that Kara holds, they do not paint a good picture. They paint a very bad picture over the past five, six decades here. Um, so maybe that's part of the reason why you're saying— It's now, it's more important now than ever that moms and dads set the example in their home for their kids.
2: Yeah, I I read a book when my first child was probably three. It's called Hold On To Your Kids. And it was all about how to guard them, how to bring them close to you, how to build trust in your relationship so that when they do end up going to school, when they do hit those teen years, they wanna confide in you Mm -hmm. and your opinion still matters to them instead of the peer groups. And so that's something that I have tried to do since my first was very young. And it's, you know, it starts, it's building habits. So it is hard work, but it starts very simply like we make sure to have family meal time. Yeah. So we're talking to each other. When my children are stressed about something, I'm always stressed. So it'd be very easy for me to just go, you know, I can't deal with that right now. I actually have to stop and talk to them one on one. They have to know that I'm invested. Like, you have to. I mean, like, like come I on. have to. <laughs> I mean, oh, you I ha- talk you have
0: to my kids again.
2: <laughs> you have girls, right? And uh, they I got hit
0: two, an Yes, and then a bunch of boys. But the girls' personality do surround the boys. There's no question.
2: Okay. The, well, my, like mine is hitting an age where she, she's very dramatic.
0: Oh yeah. And, you know, she's I very got that it's covered.
2: Moody. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And it's kind of draining, but I I have to be there. I have to take seriously what she's going through, mm-hmm. that her emotions are real. And, I mean, I think that's good whether you're Catholic or not. Your children need to feel like you care about them. But I think that does tie into when you start trying to teach them about the faith. Mm-hmm. Are they going to listen to you if you— if you've never cared yeah. for them, if you've yeah. if you've never taken their perspective seriously. Mm-hmm. So now my daughter, she will she'll come to me and it, it actually feels like a privilege to to be the one kind of bearing her burdens with her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. I hope that doesn't change.
4: <laughs> you know, what's interesting about that is, you know, I'm thinking about my own childhood and my how my parents raised us. And I've been, we're very blessed. My, all my siblings were all still Catholic. We're all faithful Catholics. And we all went off to college, came back home and none of us went off the rails. And so my parents must've done something right. And one thing that I think about, about my past and about my parents and what they did that really affected me was always bringing us to uh, pro-life rallies, bringing us—my mother uh, helped start the Gabriel Project at the church and would bring us there. She would. Uh, she was part of the Legion of Mary and would force us to come and pray the rosary with their group. And these the kind of things uh, just stayed in my mind uh, my whole life. Every time I think back about, about the faith, I would think of serving others, about these women in need, about praying the rosary, about Our Lady, um, about saving lives, and realizing that we were in a battle. And that was the kind of thing my mom would always tell us. You know, we're in a battle. Like the world, the flesh, and the devil is coming after us, and we have to fight against it. Mm-hmm. And that really affected me and, and my siblings, and, and, and God bless uh, my parents. We're, we're all, say, faithful Catholics. Uh, what do you think about encouraging families to, uh, to instill these, kind of like you were saying, actions, seeing the parents do the things that Catholics do?
2: You know, uh, we just went to the Traveling Relics, that came through Houston. I think uh, I think they're still here, but it was 160 relics. He gave an extremely moving talk at the beginning. My kids were like on the edge of their seats. And my son, that'll be a memory for him, I think. He he prayed at every relic. He touched wow. his rosary to every relic. He kissed every relic. He would not miss one of those relics. He wow. found John Bosco. He was so excited. Wow, so and cool. that took me by surprise because I didn't realize he would react that way. but. We had to get up very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, we, dad had to rearrange his schedule. And I think that's part of it. Like, we made it a, an important event for our family that kind of surpassed anything else we might have done on Saturday. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so that's part of it. Like, you make sacrifices and then you're also part of a community. We had to stand in lines for each relic and, the, the children were willing to do that. You know, children. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to stand yeah. in line. So, yeah, I think that's definitely good. You're building those memories. I mean, your children are going to have memories from their childhood no matter what you do. It could be camping. It could be going to see cars race or whatever you do as a family. Some of those have to be big events like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Going, I, I've taken, I think it's harder now for, uh, for families to feel safe. Like I used to take my youngest to the pro-life rallies and we helped close um, a clinic once. And but now when I ask my husband, I'm like, can we go to this thing in Houston? And he's like, you know, I'm just I'm not super comfortable with that yet because we just moved here. So he's just not sure mm-hmm. how dangerous or who, who's going to come out and be protesting against us and. No, I have a big mouth, so <laughs> I might not keep it all together in front of the kids. You know, so it's. I think the climate has changed a bit in the last few years. It's gotten rough for the for kind yeah. of the the public bringing the children around. I'm not mm-hmm. saying people shouldn't do it, but yeah, of course, my husband won't let me right now. So,
5: <laughs> but you know, it, it, uh, so much of what you're saying right now is is being intentional. You know, there's there's this word intentional. You have to be intentional, and you hear the culture talk about this, but in in this context here. You know, when most people, they probably have, what, an hour that they dedicate to God every single week. And it happens to be in the Mass. That's not enough for your kids to pick anything up. You know, if, if you, if you just allow yourself to do that, you're going to be, I I hope not surprised that your kids aren't going to, you know, follow through with the faith or understand what the Eucharist is, that it's our Lord present to them. Um, the, the, the thing, the thing boils down to you have to be intentional at your home, and I, I think that's I think that's such a a good takeaway that that I've gotten so far in in talking to you is you have to make that sacrifice to to be intentional at the at the home because your kids are always watching. They're always watching you. I I have a a, a one year old daughter, and I'm surprised at some of the things that she's picked up from us. You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> she um, you know what quotes a, surprised. Uh, it's i mean it's it's surprising in a very loving way like for example when we sit down we pray uh before our meal she now kind of starts whispering <laughs> when she gets the that's food that's very sweet so it is very it is very sweet it was surprising i didn't expect that but uh how do you how do you build this at the at the home a little bit i think it starts with with understanding that you have to die to yourself a little bit and and bring in you know what you really believe into the house right
2: I can tell you, like like I said earlier, we try to have family meals. Or even yeah. when we try to pray the daily rosary, everyone's always busy doing something at that time. Mm. I'm usually writing or I'm getting stuff ready for our lessons the next day, and I have to cut myself off. It's It's yeah. kind of a painful thing when you're on a roll working on something, you have to stop. My husband, too, he has to stop, and we have to call everyone in from all the corners of the house and stop them from what— they're doing so you're right it does take a lot of sacrifice and it do, it takes foresight so I, you know you have to think about everything mm. that your family has to do you have to think about how you can fit these things into your life what you're willing to give up there's only so mo- many hours in a day right yeah. and so you do you have to give up certain things that you want to do certain hobbies you want to do if you turn the tv off you're probably going to have enough time to fit stuff in that's yeah. our problem yeah, get amen. off of
5: social media
2: Because we're tired and, you know, and the kids are loud all day and we just put them in front of the TV and then rosary (laughs) time comes around and it's sometimes it's like, oh, got to turn the TV off and try to get them to sit still. And but there are rewards Mm -hmm. that I think, you know, um, the Bible says that God wants you to be perfect, right? That's a Mm -hmm. hard saying. Sometimes I feel like that means your effort, that you always have to be moving toward him and your actions are not always going to be perfect and your rosary is not always going to be super contemplative right Mm -hmm. but your efforts to be better they never stop you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. you're and you're putting forward uh what you can offer and you're sacrificing yes yeah
6: Yeah.
2: Um, and that can be a dangerous teaching i think when it comes to children you know like your effort counts right because your actions count too and there are some things that you just shouldn't do but in the end, I think God is constantly working with you in your own, like, very personal way. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: We're talking with Theony Bell, and we're talking about making a Eucharistic revival in your home. She has a couple of articles over at uh, 1 Peter 5, 1peter5.com on this Eucharistic revival request from the USCCB and how we might participate in it. But specifically, you gave 15 ways, Theone, on how we can make our domestic church make a Eucharistic revival in the domestic church. And I found that very, very fascinating. So uh, I'd like to go through these, if that's Absolutely. okay with you. Um, number one, or should we go 15 to one? What's your, what's your, pick your poison. You want to go one to 15 or 15 to I one? I think
2: the first one's pretty obvious. We okay. can get through that pretty Okay, good. okay. Number one, coming in at number one.
6: Hope, the Catholic Encyclopedia has much to say about hope. Going online to newadvent.org, we see hope explained as the desire and expectation of future good. Each of us prays and looks to the situations and events of our lives with a desire and expectation that something good awaits us. We pray for the ultimate good, a close and intimate relationship with God. During Advent, we also look to the prophecy candle of hope. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must stay firm in our expectation of goodness, for our salvation lies in seeing goodness in people and focusing on our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now. Like a guiding star in the night, hope is born as we turn our desires and expectations to God. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Jasandi.
7: I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. I love it, my heart's there. I took communion after 18 years and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love.
1: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today.
0: And how we might participate in, but specifically, you gave 15 ways, Theone, on how we can make our domestic church, make a Eucharistic revival in the domestic church. And I found that very, very fascinating. So uh, I'd like to go through these, if that's okay with you. Um, uh, Number one, or should we go 15 to one? Pick your poison. You want to go one to 15 or 15 to one? I think
2: the first one's pretty obvious. We can get through that pretty quick. Okay,
0: okay. Number one, coming in at number one, uh, treat Christ with respect
5: Always
2: yeah you know that's something there's little things that I personally get, decided to do to show respect to God, and that was one of them um I'm just always going to pick up the rosary on the floor i'm always going to pick up the prayer card on the floor, yeah, and how often do we just yeah
0: <laughs> like uh, they like because we have a ton of rosaries, yes like yeah. we have a we have a uh, a hangar in our chapel with a ton of them we have yeah. more in the bedroom and you know, and just like sometimes you can act very casually about them. Obviously. And the kids, yeah. the, casual.
2: the kids fall in love with those little things, too. They don't always see them as tools of prayer. My daughter wants to play with her rosary or mm-hmm. bring her prayer cards around with her. But, you know, I don't make a big show out of it. It's not a huge deal. I just say, hey, Jesus shouldn't be on the floor. Or, hey, mm-hmm. Mary, you know, we pray with that. It shouldn't be on the floor. And, and then um, I think just always... I think that's like one of the most basic building blocks to, mm-hmm. to having respect toward the Eucharist is kind of anything involved in in our faith becomes sacred on that level. Yeah. Um, or
0: let alone if they're blessed items, yeah. they're sacramentals. We do have to treat them with some more care and reverence.
2: Yeah, and you can be surprised how, how children just have these great imaginations, and I think that's why Jesus just loved them so much. When we had uh, a stuffy blessed, my daughter just ended up putting it on the table when the priest came to bless our new house. So now we have this stuffy that I can absolutely never get rid of. Or
0: you have to bury it or burn it or Yes, something. but yeah.
2: she is very, very sweet with that stuffy, and she mm-hmm. always makes sure it's like propped up on a shelf, you know? And Aww. so they can, they can surprise you sometimes. But in the same vein, mm-hmm. um, we also have to work to not uh, allow them to hear the Lord's name used. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. irreverently and we don't do that uh, we try not to at yeah. least um, but you know in the TV shows in the music yeah, at, my kids are at the point where they're schooling us they're like, <laughs> Mom. Yeah, this is funny, but did you hear that? You know, I'm yeah, like, we oh. kicked the
0: television out of the house well more than a decade ago now. Yeah, uh, best decision we made as a couple was to cut the cable off. Uh, we moved the TV out of the living room. It's in our bedroom. We still have a TV because we will watch uh, content as a family. But it's it's only when we decide and we have yeah. total control over what that is. There's no turning things on and flipping channels, and uh, and our kids don't have access to to that stuff and it's changed my life like i used to watch all kinds of movies and now i'm like oh no they're going to take the lord's name in vain I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it let alone the violence or the dress code or, yeah. or the uh, fornication mm, scandalous like, stuff. Yeah. It, yeah i find myself let alone my children uh you know filtering my own my own dis, you know disproportionate desires you know
2: I think another problem that I've come up with with this one is when kids in the neighborhood will say the Lord's name in vain because it is just it's Mm -hmm. just so common now. I mean, even I mentioned to you guys before we were on air that uh, we went to the mall and it's like now it's like the cool thing to name books with swear words just on the front cover. It's just like they're just normal parts of everyday speech now.
4: Speaking of which, you know, your second point was read books yeah. And I really like that because, I mean, going on to the whole question of blasphemy and these kind of things, uh, I was thinking of, of a book I was reading about when I was uh, younger about John Bosco. And uh, you mentioned how your son was, like, loving seeing the relics of St. John Bosco and how he, in a dream, saw the kids around the, his neighborhood. And I'm thinking, oh, this is literally what you're talking about. Yeah. His kids are around his neighborhood blaspheming in the name of our Lord. And he goes up and punches the kid in the face <laughs> And, uh, leaving here, it's like, Oh no, you can't be doing it. Okay. 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 But it's interesting because then he wakes up from the dream and his hand was injured. And so he, oh. uh, it was like, uh, it happened in his dream, but it happened in real life as well. And it kind of was set the stage for John Bosco as a kid, showing what, who, who he would become as an adult. And I think reading those stories of the saints, about um, these saints who are so on fire for our Lord and then showing that to your to to children and seeing uh showing this is how even a young child can fight for our lord. What yeah. do you think about the the second point you made about books?
2: Yeah. I mean everyone's going to let your child down no matter who their idol becomes. They're going to let your child down. Like we let the kids watch the Shelaboof um <laughs> Uh, Father Barron uh, interview. interview. Yes, oh, really. Uh, well At least
0: he didn't swear too much.
2: We've been obs- we we have watched uh, Even Stevens as a family because it's an older <laughs> show and it's pretty clean. And it, we actually just finished it and we were really depressed. But um, <laughs> yeah. but we let our kids watch that um, because this was a very famous person who can do a lot. I think for the church if he can stay on track. But at mm-hmm. the same time, the only people I believe that your children should really become attached to are the saints mm-hmm. because the church yeah. has vetted them for you there's yeah. there's no like mm-hmm. twist at the end of the book where they fell away or they did something terrible so that's why i say, i say read to your children about the saints but in in terms of the eucharist there are beautiful books that explain the mass there are books in comic form that explain the mass um, and there, there's a book my son really likes called uh, "Heavenly Hosts: Eucharistic Miracles for Kids." And so, mm-hmm. um, this is one way that your kids can get to know yeah. the Eucharist and see, like, it's not just something that we do as a family or my parish, yeah. but you know, 2,000 years ago or right. 1,500 years ago, this was something the Church taught. This is what the saints believed. Mm-hmm. Um, when we when we kicked the TV out, uh, one of the things we also
0: did was we went and bought rain gutters at Home Depot. And we mounted them to the wall underneath our bar counter so that we can put the books that are cover face out. So our kids, which were smaller at the time, would always be able to see and read the covers of the books. And then that way they'd be more attracted to engaging with the book, picking it up and looking through it. Hmm. So we we, uh, we set up these bookshelves. And we to this day, we keep books on them all the time. And, uh, and we made books a big part of their life. In fact, we have to, like... Beat them at night. He's like, stop reading your book. Turn a TV on for crying out loud! Like they are voracious readers. Like they just—like I can't even put a book down because they'll probably read it. You know, and I'm like, oh, "Stop it! I, I it. haven't even read
2: that yet." My <laughs> daughter has a pin her friend gave her. It says, "I sleep past be- or I read past bedtime." Yeah. And she that loves mean. that. And yeah. you can't be so mad at him about it, right? Well, yeah, it's just slippery. I don't sweat. know. My parents are pretty upset. <laughs> they come in and take my books from me in my I guess, room. I guess. I guess it's for the bar. I guess it's wherever your bar is but um yeah we did the same thing before i was even really involved in our faith as a young mom i started to read about the best way to educate children and it it always starts with reading Mm -hmm. it it always starts you know with as a toddler picking up those books letting them touch the books letting them uh, look at the pictures letting them tell you the story even if it's totally wrong Mm -hmm. so that they can get used to it kids these days don't think and to read, you have to think. Yeah. Your brain is used in a different way than it's used in any other thing you do. Mm-hmm. So I think in order to have a deeper faith, you your kids have to be experiencing the faith in text.
5: Yeah. They have
2: to be reading. They have to be thinking about it. Mm-hmm.
5: Speaking of books, you know, a great place to read a book is in the Adoration Chapel, which is your third point. Yeah. And uh, I— <laughs> I know some people have different opinions on that. Uh, some people say you shouldn't be reading a book uh, at the Adoration Chapel. But especially if it's something – I mean if it's something that's uh, a good spiritual work, I don't see a problem with that at all aside from uh, you know actually acknowledging that you're in the presence of our, our blessed Lord. One of the things that uh, we do as a family is every time we pass a church, uh, we acknowledge that our Lord is present there in that tabernacle. But uh, another amazing thing that you can do is you can take your entire family there and, and spend some time with our Lord who is waiting patiently for us and mm-hmm. who's there for us always. Uh, how do you fit that into your schedule?
2: I try to go on Fridays. Uh, we all have special diets in our house. We eat a ton of meat. So I follow the the newer, more relaxed uh, Friday abstinence. Um, mm-hmm. And so I decided on Fridays for me personally, I'm going to clean both bathrooms. Huh. And I'm going to take the kids to adoration. So that's kind of what we do. And sometimes we're sick and we don't make it. But um, so we go every Friday and the kids, well, my oldest will read in there. I think it was St. Therese. She used to fall asleep when she tried Mm. to pray. She was very mad at herself about it. Mm. Um, And then I think she talked about how she she had to read when she was in adoration because it, it helped keep her mind active. Um to
5: contemplate.
2: Yeah, so mm. I, I don't have a problem with reading and adoration as long as it's a spiritual reading. Um, you know, we last five, ten minutes, but it's a very special time for us because the kids we go to a really beautiful adoration chapel. It's quiet. It's it's definitely a break with normal life. And even if you if you leave the adoration chapel to walk to the bathroom you actually pass right behind the altar mm-hmm. so sometimes the kids will stop and genuflect right there like oh, at okay. the wall cuz they know the altar's on the other side um Beautiful. So, so i do think it has been a big part of their faith, and I think that'll be one of the memories yeah. that they go back to.
0: Recently, my wife and I were on vacation in New Hampshire, and we went to the cathedral where we were married, and we went to the Adoration Chapel, and uh, we were there with all the kids, and my six-year-old was, like, being very loud. I'm like, shh, gotta be quiet, because there's other people adoring the Lord. And he's like, I wanna go over there! I'm like, quiet! <laughs> and then, uh, Joe's we- like,
3: shh, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, <laughs> Joe, you're louder than the kids. So <laughs>
0: finally, we're leaving. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I've just, you know, and this lady <laughs> called me over. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Mm. And she's like, I just want to thank you for bringing your, your kids and uh, to adoration. That was so beautiful. And then she slipped me a 20. Whoa. And she's like, You got to do something nice for these kids. I Aww. said, Lady, this is 20 bucks. This is 2020. I'm going to need more than this for
3: all
6: these kids. <laughs> I'm going to get them a sucker. 20 bucks. <laughs> what am I going to do
0: with $20? I'm teasing. I didn't say that, but I wanted to. But uh, yeah, I just think it's, it, it plants a seed, right? Going to adoration with the family. It doesn't have to be perfect, it could be clunky, but nonetheless, powerful things happen.
2: Yeah, my kids, they walk around. My youngest wants to find the best seeds. Or she wants to sit next to an, another lady and, and try to get her attention. I mean, th- they do that kind of stuff. But, but I think the fact that, again, I've said this is what we do on Friday. We need to spend time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're not going to skip it because we're crabby or we have homework to do or right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is our Friday thing. And I think that, again, has an impact we make sacrifices for this. It's important enough for my mom, who's super stressed out all the time, to do this. Mm-hmm. It must really be important.
0: Speaking of important things, how about feast days, which is your point number four? And you specifically talk about the feast day of Corpus Christi, and you're like, this is an opportunity, a teachable moment. But it made me think about Eucharistic processions, which also happen during a feast days like Corpus Christi. Tell us about it.
2: Um, yeah, so I actually learned about it last summer because we had a camp at our church, and they, the theme of the camp was the Eucharist. Um, and they, they did a skit each morning, and it was telling the story of this, uh, how the Feast of Corpus Christi came about. Um, I, I'm a convert, so I'm still learning and super fascinated by the history of these kind of things. But um, in this story, uh, there's a German priest and he is—he uh, stops in Bolsena, Italy, to say mass on a pilgrimage, and he is struggling with uh, belief in the Eucharist. This story is also in Holy uh, Heavenly Hosts, the book I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Anyway, the Eucharist begins to bleed profusely all down his arms, mm-hmm. all over the—I yeah. think it's called the corporal, the linens—and. Yeah. Um, and so he stops the mass, and he goes and he tells Pope Urban, who uh, Pope Urban the Fourth, who's in a town nearby. Mm-hmm. Well, that same pope had been getting nudges from this uh, this nun for like 20 years, because she's been having visions.
3: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children. We all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org.
1: Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
5: Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact.
2: That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier anyway the Eucharist begins to bleed profusely all down his arms all Mm -hmm. over the I think it's called a corporal the linens and um, and so he stops the mass and he goes and he tells Pope Urban who uh, Pope Urban the fourth who's in a town nearby Mm -hmm. well that same Pope had been getting nudges from this uh, this nun for like 20 years because she's been having visions uh, of Jesus saying I want to feast just for my bo- precious body and blood. And so when you he, you combine those two things, and then that pope finally made it a feast day. But um, the kids were super fascinated with this story. And then uh, Thomas Aquinas wrote the feast mass. And so there's just so much in the story, and I thought this is a very cool story. Uh, there's so many parts to it. And, and the processions, we did not start doing those or really incorporate those into our life until we started turning toward like the the Latin mass cuz they mm-hmm. still do those a lot more but um i i'm really um a fan of our lady of good help and they did a lot of prof- pro- they do a lot of processions yeah um at that shrine it was a big part of the visionary's life what i realized is it's a it's a european custom that was brought to america with europeans and that's kind of why it died off, because public uh, showing your faith in public is a different thing in America than I think it was mm. in like the 1800s. And they were
0: very anti-Catholic anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, so
2: so it's actually not only a, um, a show of love for say the the body of Christ or whatever feast day it is, but it's also kind of a penance, and has mm. throughout history been seen as a penance because you're you're going out in public in front of people who don't agree with you, mm-hmm. sometimes authorities who want to arrest you for it, and you're doing this public display of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, especially in our culture now, that those processions are very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I
4: love St. Thomas Aquinas, and I love the story of St. Thomas writing the, the music for mm. the Corpus Christi Mass and the prayers there. And it really makes me think of, the prayers of Saint Thomas that I I have uh, the prayers before uh, communion and the prayers after communion that he has written that are absolutely stunning and yeah. I I think anybody should like get those and and give them to your kids to start learning to to pray in that way in the way that the saints prayed mm-hmm. and that goes to your point number five where you talk about pointing out the moment of consecration and I'm gonna kind of sneak in five and seven together mm-hmm. to kind of a uh, kind of blend there at the moment of consecration uh saying my lord and my god echoing the words of of saint thomas the apostle and rather than aquinas saint thomas the apostle my lord and my god and i and i really got in that habit of saying that and it really helps me because you know to our eyes our eyes see uh bread and wine but the the eyes of the soul mm-hmm. see our lord and savior jesus christ mm-hmm. and teaching our our young ones to say my lord and my god whenever they see the sacred host and I also started uh, having a habit of saying the prayer from Fatima, uh, Lord, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, and do not hope, and do not love you. And it really goes into the idea of a crusade for Eucharistic reparation in our homes. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the moment of consecration and, and, and that kind of idea of with your children?
2: Um, I, think, I think it's hard for the kids to always know what's going on at Mass and i don't think that their their prayer life i mean though though you can meet a very exceptional child in the spiritual life but i don't think their prayer life is is as uh in depth as ours yet i don't think they they know really what to do with themselves sometimes at mass so finding those moments where it's very easy to point out what's happening um and the 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 easiest moment is the consecration the church has designed it that way you've got the bells ringing and you have the priest holding the host up. Then he, he holds the chalice up as well. And so uh, my oldest knows what's going on. She's reading along in the Missal. But my youngest, too, I always just lean in and I whisper, look. And they always know what I'm telling them to look at, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I tell them to say, my Lord and my God. And uh, um, so the, the story of St. Thomas, my son really liked that one, too, when Jesus appeared in the upper room and St. Thomas wasn't there. And he didn't believe that Jesus had risen, and he says, I, I need to touch his wounds to believe, and then St. Uh, Thomas is there the next time um, our Lord appears to the apostles. And uh, those are the words of St. Thomas, my Lord and my God. In his in this moment of just being overwhelmed <laughs> with love and... Um, in awe of christ he says my lord and my god and and so that's kind of the the emotions that i go into the consecration with is this this miracle is really taking place in front of me and so that's kind of what i'm what i'm trying to teach the children when i point it out to them when i when i tell them to say my lord and my god Mm. also my oldest she's 11 but she's already struggling she said to me Mom, what if I don't believe that it's Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something where she's like, "I don't believe and I'm done." You know, yeah. You know, right.
4: the, the words of the centurion is something I also started praying too. It's like, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so exactly like that. She is is a very good girl, and she. Uh, Is very concerned with doing what she needs to do in the faith. And and so it's a teachable moment for mom and dad. Doing her prayers. Yes, it definitely is a teachable moment. So she will say that as well. And for her, she's not feeling it. She's saying it to basically ask, please help me believe. Mm -hmm. To say, I want to believe. And I don't know, I haven't talked to her about it a lot. I don't want to make a big deal about it. She's a little scrupulous. So, Mm. but. I know that that prayer helps her.
5: Yeah,
2: so. yeah. Wow. Wow. So, just
5: to follow up here, you know, as a, a relatively new father, uh, I've I've kind of started thinking she's my my daughter's one year old, and we're at a point where we're sitting in the mass and she's squirming around and it's it's distracting, or we think that it's it might be more distracting than it actually is to the people around us. It it certainly is a little distracting to us because it's it's our state in life right now. We're just we have a, a one year old daughter. She can't really sit through there. It's not developmentally uh, you know appropriate for her to sit through an hour and just expect it to be like completely fine. But uh, you know for people who have uh, parents who have uh, you know squirmy squirmy kids, uh, what, what sort of advice would you give to them to kind of focus on the mass a little bit and. Uh, and be able to uh, get to a point where they can actually start talking about what's going on in the mass with their kids.
2: I think when your child is one, two, mm. three, I think you don't have reason yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you, the, the best thing you can do for yourself and probably for them is to stop worrying about what other people think because mm. that heightens their stress, probably makes them even more fidgety. They go into the mass remembering last week was so stressful and mom and dad were all mad at me and – um you know most of the people most people I hear talk about it tell the story just like joe said he was he was worried the people in adoration might be frustrated with his kids but they <laughs> weren't they were just happy to see them there um so i think it's i think it's rare and i think it's a personal problem if someone says man those kids are crazy and they shouldn't be <laughs> yeah, you know what sure. i mean so f- that's what i would say first off but i think talking about the mass at home helps kids pay attention hmm. so I didn't first tell my children about um, my my Lord and my God during the consecration. Mm-hmm. I had to explain what it meant at home. I had to tell them about St. Thomas. I had to tell them about the different sections of the Mass, where the most important part is, why we're thanking God at the end, why we kneel at the end, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. You ha- I had to be talking about it at home. I, I came from a Protestant family, but even then— we went to church, we never prayed before meals. Like mm. I cannot remember one deep spiritual conversation with my parents in my mm. whole life.
5: Wow. So tragic.
2: So that's that's why I'm like I am going to go the total opposite direction. Um but I'm going to stop at crazy. <laughs> right? like we still have fun, Welcome you know. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you, you ha- that's why I say you have to read to your kids because that's the easiest way for them at a young age to learn is with the pictures and the explanations mm-hmm. for these things.
5: Point number six you bring up, uh, you you have to make sure that you're genuflecting. And it, it, it sort of reminds me of early on in this conversation with you, uh, Theoni. you were mentioning – You have to be the example for your kids. And so if you're coming in, you're waltzing in, I don't know, five minutes before Mass, and you're just immediately trying to find a seat, and you're not actually acknowledging that that Christ, our Lord, the King of the universe is here, your kids are
2: probably not going to pick that up, right? You don't have enough time to shed the world. Yeah. You you don't have enough time to collect yourself. And and I'm going to be very humble and say we did not show up to Mass early until about six months ago. We really? tried. That's why I say effort is so important. When you say mm-hmm.
0: early, you mean like uh cuz on time is is 30 minutes before mass starts. That's on time. Early <laughs> is 45 minutes. Okay. Before mass begins. We're on time. You're, you're we, get, on we get we get to Catholic. confession
2: <laughs> before mass. We have time. We get we even say probably 75% of the rosary before Late they... is 15 minutes till.
0: That's uh, that's late.
2: And that's how it should be. Yeah. But I mean, everyone starts at a different point. We're just unorganized people. We're just children still. You know what I mean? Like, we had a lot of adulting to do to ourselves, I think, (laughs) when we got married and had kids. Um, So I say show up early. And when I, you know, I used to get frustrated when people came in late. But then I realized, like, I only started being here on time six (laughs) months ago. (laughs) right? And you don't know what they've gone through in their home or whatever. That's true. Yeah. It's but, true.
4: I was really yeah. sleepy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I think you do. Though you're going to see more fruits out of your masses. I think mm. you're going to be more prepared, um, and even on like a more mystical level, you're going to be more united to Christ when you take the Eucharist if you've put that effort in to be yeah. there on time, to recollect yourself, mm-hmm. to shed. All the the stress that you carried in with you um, if you if you do Donnie, when we see
1: Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? Saint Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
2: I think I think you do though. You're going to see more fruits out of your masses, I think. You're going to be more prepared. Um and even on like a more mystical level, you're going to be more united to Christ when you take the Eucharist if you've put that effort in to be yeah. there on time, to recollect yourself, to mm-hmm. shed all the the stress that you carried in with you. Um if you if you do like you said be, if you're intentional, if you like you have to your Sunday has to revolve around mass oh yeah it has to you have to think about when you're gonna cook dinner when you're gonna cook lunch do we have time to take a hike before do we have time to go swimming after you know how, how is everything gonna fit in mm-hmm. my husband's like a fly by the seat of your pants on Saturday and Sunday cuz he's just tired of sitting in a chair all week mm-hmm. and so he'll be like we're going to the beach and we're going to go to this store and run all these errands and I'm the opposite and so it did take us years for for me to remember to say on Saturday night, let's outline our Sunday, mm. you know, because I, I want to choose a Mass and go to that Mass and see the same people and let the kids hang out afterward Yeah, and not just squeeze it in around whatever else mm-hmm. we're trying mm-hmm. to do. I
0: like that you mentioned intentionality, and I, I think that's so on point here. And uh, to that end, your point number eight reminds me of something we have done as a family to be intentional, and that was we did Bible studies around the Holy Eucharist. Uh, so that we could have a conversation with all of our kids. And one of the things we did was we get—everybody got a Bible, and everybody got a Bible case. So all the Bibles and the Bible cases were on the shelf, and it was Bible study time. They go gr- get their Bible uh, case and come to the table. And even my littlest one, Colby Thomas Joseph Pio, uh, barely Catholic, by the way, uh, he, <laughs> he, he he's probably the most excited— And he's got a picture book Bible. Oh, it's he's Protestant. Yes, (laughs) that's what it is. Uh, You know, and we've gone through some of these verses, and you've listed
2: them here. Why don't you take us through them? Okay, so my favorite is the story of the road to Emmaus. And I know that's probably not the best starting point, but it's when uh, Jesus appears to two of the apostles. One of them is Simon and... uh, they're telling him, you know, our, we thought he was the Messiah and he's died in Jerusalem and they're, they're, they're depressed and they're walking and this man, who they don't know is Jesus yet, takes them through the Old Testament and shows them how all of those scriptures pointed to him. And they still don't know who he is until the breaking of the bread. So they, mm-hmm. they say, stay with us and eat with us. And they sit down and it's when he breaks the bread, they, they, they see who he is and then he disappears. And that... I'm getting chills because that's how I I've had experiences with the Eucharist like that where it's it all of a sudden it's just so real, right? Um, so that's one of the verses that you can look at, but I think the most important one is in John six, mm. and this one to me, like I've argued with my mother, I, I about whether the Eucharist is the Catholic Eucharist is the is the body and blood of Christ because you really have to ignore. Christ's own words to not believe it. You yeah. have to do a lot to avoid what he's saying here. So um, I'll quote him, uh, John six fifty three. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Okay, so he says more than that, but the point to me that stands out is that uh, it says many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? Yeah. And they left him. Right. (sighs) And he never... He Wait,
0: hold on. You got to read the next verse. Wait, come back. Yes. I'm just joking. It's all <laughs> symbolic.
2: <laughs> Hyperbole, guys. Hyperbole, hello. Ah, I know what I meant. He yeah. doesn't do any of that. He, it's like he he solemnly turns to his closest disciples, the 12, and says, are you going to leave me too? Mm-hmm. Like, are you like yeah. them? And they say, where are we going to go? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you have the words of eternal life. We're like, not going anywhere. I would
4: go, but like... There's nowhere else. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of weird that you just said there. But, uh, you were my ride, man.
2: <laughs> um, but that's how I feel about the church. Yeah. Where else am I going to go? Like, mm. I can struggle with all sorts of things, but mm. in the end, it's the only one.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, and there are some rites I'm not very good about that, but there's other rites that are that are included in the Catholic Church in other parts mm. of the world who who still have the Eucharist as well. But they all fa- fall under Catholic, right? Right. And uh, there's nowhere else to go. There's no other church that even says this is the real body and blood, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they don't have the apostolic succession. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how to square this verse. It's almost like the Protestants I talk to just Ignor- don't read it. Yeah. You know, I don't understand it. So that one yeah. is really important. I
4: mm-hmm. think. Yeah, it's really funny. I always uh, have a—I know this Anglican fellow— who talks to me, he's like, oh, no, we believe in the real presence, too. It's just, you know, symbolic is the same thing. It's literal. It's like, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh um, okay. Um, I, don't, hmm. I don't think you know what the, I don't think you, you use that word a lot. I don't think it means what you I think it means. I don't think it means uh, what you think it means. <laughs> no, but one thing that I, I find really interesting is the fact that, you know, our, our confession lines are way shorter than our communion lines. And so yeah, everybody lines up for communion, and then we got thirty minutes of confession once a week on a uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, so it's, it's kind of surprising to me. So I found what your your point of number nine, saying how making an act of contrition as a family each night to be really profound, especially since this is the practice of the monks, this is the practice of the of the brothers of the religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was uh, in the novitiate for the Dominicans, but uh, before Compline every day, you would have a a brief period to do an examination of conscience and then you'd, everyone would make an act of contrition together and then we'd pray Compline. And, I, and that was really profound. I, I love that practice and the idea of bringing that into the home is I think a great idea. How does that work exactly?
2: Um, my favorite part of doing the act of contrition with my kids is when they're like three or four. So I don't make <laughs> yeah. them do the act of contrition at that age. But I start <laughs> them by going, by saying, is there anything you did today that you probably shouldn't have done? You know and usually it's I screamed or I hit my brother or, you know stuff like that and then I say "Well, say sorry to Jesus and so then they say sorry and then I respond as Jesus and I say um, I forgive you my child and I love you very much and at some point they're so excited to hear that that they will go I forgive you my child and I love you very much you know they're they're just they love doing that so from there we progress um, you know maybe when they're 4 or 5 i will start saying the act of contrition and let them fill in the last words that of each line that's how we do the the lord's prayer any prayer i have to teach them i start by just i say it and they'll jump in with the last word of each line mm. but um again only in the last year did we start doing the act of contrition as part of our rosary so we do that before we start the rosary um and we also had to discuss with them you know, venial sin and mortal sin. And, and they're, mm-hmm. they're getting that in their catechism class. But my daughter, for, for as intelligent as she is, one day said to me, well, why do I have to apologize to God on my own here? And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> how did we miss this? Are you Catholic? Can like, I check your card, please? I was, I was you know, so, yeah. the, some of the things that they miss, I, I'm like, how how did is we possible, skim, yeah. skim past that? And so we've had to have... The discussion, like no, you have to turn your heart right away because all of this sin will com- yeah. compound on itself, mm-hmm. you know. And the further you get away from God, the further away you get from God. Like, it's and it like,
4: makes it easier when you go into confession uh, to recall. Everything. Yeah, she's.
2: Mm. I told you she's a little scrupulous. She started to write. Write her sins down every week. And then before confession, she has to read them to me. Mom, do I really need to confess this? Or, Our little sister does the same thing. Wow. Oh, it's a heavy weight. That is yeah. a really heavy yeah. burden for, for a, me. But again, a
0: teachable moment that you can yeah. mentor your daughter and how to discern more properly. And then uh, think about the conversation she's probably having with the priest in the confessional to, to this end as well.
2: Yeah. It, it reminds me, like I said, I like Our Lady of Good Help. Uh, the visionary said, Who am I to teach them who knows so little? So she's coming to me with all of her sins, and I'm yeah. like, "Do you know my sins? Like, <laughs> no, go to your dad, you know." Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I do talk to her about it. Um, but so yeah, we do the act of contrition. I never make them share what they've done out loud. We usually all know each other's sins anyway. You mm. know, mom lost her temper and family life. Sorry, I said a yeah. swear word. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I could, could confess <laughs> for
4: my for my parents and my siblings. No problem. <laughs> do you easy? <laughs> okay. <I couldn't>, easily. <laughs>
2: Anyway, so yeah, so, but that is important because you can't receive the Eucharist if you yeah. are not apologetic. Even yeah. if you went to confession five minutes before Mass, if you're sitting in that pew and you're still attached to your sin, and you're yeah. still, um, you know, some people just have a resistance in them, like, yeah, I'll confess it, but was I really bad. Which you know? is
0: amazing when you can go to a parish that offers confession before every Mass.
2: Yes, it is yeah it, and it's a lifesaver too, right because to like I said it, it's hard to cut off what your family's doing to eat meals together, or pray the rosary, and you've got mm-hmm. the two o'clock slot on Saturday, and everyone's always got their Saturday packed full,
0: yeah um
2: or you've got the you know after work slot at seven thirty on a Thursday, and mm-hmm. no one wants to go at that time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in at number ten, Rudy
5: yeah, that's repeatedly remind your children that the Catholic Church. And all of those that have continuity with it is the only church that is so important. It is, especially when you. I mean, here in Houston, I mean, uh, your mileage may vary wherever you're listening, dear listener. But here in Houston, there's a lot of different oh, denominations. Here. If I
0: had a dollar for <laughs> every time I someone asked me, "Hey, where are you from?" I'm from Houston. Like oh you've got Joel uh, Joel Osteen Joel Osteen five hundred dollars I'm so
2: I, excited I that's like why I
0: came <laughs> so some rich. of them are <laughs> tr- which is
4: not a lot of money but so, it is a little weird <laughs> isn't it <laughs> Some
5: of them are very creatively named but th- despite that these churches are splinters and and their their operations they don't have that apostolic continuity that you mentioned just just a few minutes ago, and the the kids have to understand that there is actually a difference where we go is is different than where uh our protestant friends go
2: yeah that's something the splintering off is something we've talked about um you know we my my daughter went to a to a history class where the teacher is trying to get the kids to sympathize with uh martin luther and i was like no what why, <laughs> Gross. why are we doing this you and, gotta watch this uh, luther documentary
5: that they did in poland it's good. It, blows, it good. it blows him out of the water. Scorched Horrible.
2: Earth. Oh, I super want to yeah. watch it. I do. Um, so you know, we've taught them about that, and we've taught them about uh, Henry the Eighth. Yeah. You yeah, know, they know that that he beheaded his wives, and mm. you know, all, they know that. And and was, then was that a problem? Um, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it was an happens accident. To the, happens to the best so, of us. Was this <laughs> he tripped. I'm just, <laughs> he tripped. <laughs> Ouch.
4: Um,
2: and they know. I mean, I'm sure the number's bigger now, but. It's, who cares? It could be one thousand splintered off, but it's right, more yeah. like twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Mm, yeah. Can you even count count them? People can. Yeah. S- Each individual a,
4: person probably their own church. Yeah. It's I had an
2: aunt and uncle, and it's kind of a sad story because we fell apart. But they were going to start their own church, and and we're going to have to
4: hold off on the rest of that story until the other side of this break, if you're done listening to us on station of the cross then merry christmas to you god bless you have a great christmas day and a christmas eve tomorrow and sunday we'll be back on tuesday with our regularly scheduled live programming but if you can hang out with us on the other side of this break we're going to continue this interview with the only bell on making a eucharistic home god love you god bless you and we'll see you tuesday if not
3: planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to amazonsmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season.
0: I had a personal experience that was life-changing
1: for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst of the absolute horrible heartache. I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music and I happened to find Catholic radio. And ever since then, I have been
0: tuned in religiously And I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the
1: Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love
0: are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash
1: Hi, I'm Joan Smith from St. Elizabeth and Seton Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
3: Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Okay,
4: not quite yet. Today is the day before Christmas Eve. Praise be to God. And this is your producer, Adrian Fonseca. And we're going to be finishing out the interview with Bioni Bell that we did on how to make a Eucharistic home. How do we make sure our kids still believe in the truths of the Catholic faith? That's going to be coming up. Right now, to finish up that interview, and if you missed it, well, you can check out our podcast feed and hear the whole interview from today, but nonetheless, Merry Christmas to you. Advent is pretty much over, so remember, Christmas Eve, eating fish, preparing for that, that visual feast, that visual fast, preparing for the feast of Christmas, so let me know what you're going to eat for Christmas Eve. Alrighty, without further ado, how to have a Eucharistic home with Oni Bell. Can you even count count them?
2: People can. Each individual person
4: probably their own church. Yeah, I had an
2: aunt and uncle, and it's kind of a sad story because we fell apart. But they were going to start their own church, and Mm. my husband and I were talking about it in the car. Like, how, how can you just like we know these people? They should not be starting a church. And we had this conversation about <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it, and I had butt dialed them, oh, and it was oh, on an answering machine. Oh, oh wow. They never admitted that they heard it, but that, that was the like end Providence. of that. Ooh. That it, sounds it, like Providence. They didn't start a church. Wow. They didn't. Wow. But so the kids, <laughs> oh, man. the kids know this. They know. Like I said earlier, there is nowhere else to go mm-hmm. yeah. unless you're going to say. I don't believe John 6 mm-hmm. there's nowhere else to go. You know it's yeah.
4: interesting my I had a friend who told me that their their parents would uh, every time they'd drive by a freemasonic uh lodge they would have the kids in the car they would bang on the th- the boards of the uh, the side of the car and they'd say one holy Apo- holy catholic <laughs> and apostolic church. Hmm. And every time they passed by a freemasonic uh lodge and uh, my little sister we so we had a practice of making the sign of the cross when we pass a Catholic church. And so we'd be driving, we'd be doing a road trip down Texas and you have all these little churches everywhere that look uh, very, little little Catholic. And uh, my sister would go, is that a Catholic church? And I'm like, no, that's a fake church. My and you got so, tired oh, okay. of it, didn't like, you? <laughs> is that a Catholic church? I'm like, no, no, that's a fake church. Well, is that a Catholic church? I'm like, no, 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 that's a fake church. It's well, they do like,
5: have Mary
0: out so
4: there. Maybe,
3: maybe it is. <laughs> no, know. Know. So My youngest that's kind does of what we too. do.
0: But let's talk about converts here. Coming in at number 11 on your top 15 list of things that you can do to make your home a uh, Eucharistic revival in your home, Theony. you have pray as a family that friends and relatives would convert. Uh, we talk about uh conversion Uh, it's i argue that there needs to be more in the along the way of converting souls but as a family this is something we pray for every single night we pray our our rosary our act of contrition and we also pray for the conversion of our our family members
2: honestly i think converting other people has to start with praying for them Mm -hmm. because the holy spirit has to be part of that interaction Mm -hmm. i know i am not called to go out and verbally argue with people like, I, even with the teachings of the church behind me, I'm going to get my butt kicked, you know? Mm. So my role, I feel, is to pray for the conversion of sinners, and I'm a big fan of Marian apparitions, and she says that in a lot of them. You have to be praying for the conversion of sinners. Um, but it's also tied in with forgiveness, because usually the people we're praying for are people that we have discord with, you know, mm. family members, neighbors, things like that. And so the praying for people to to join the church— or to strengthen their faith in the Eucharist, started with me going, how can I help my kids forgive? Because I don't want them stuck in cycles of bitterness. Again, they, you can't receive the Eucharist if you're mm-hmm. bitter. Like, there's a Bible verse, I think, that says you need to go make up with your brother, and then... Yeah, then yeah. Matthew 18. Okay. <laughs> so you, you need to leave and go make up and have forgiveness in your heart. Mm-hmm. You can't You can't... You, Receiving the Eucharist is is about uniting yourself like you I read once in a in a Catholic meditational that you are what you eat. I know that sounds stupid, but like you if you eat bread it breaks down in you and becomes part of you, mm-hmm. right that is what the Eucharist does spiritually mm-hmm. and physically, and you are basically just putting up roadblocks to any sort of union with God if mm-hmm. you're gonna come with unforgiveness, so praying for other people to to join the church um is just part of helping my kids shed some of that bitterness. Um, but also, I read a book on Fatima that went into a very deep explanation about how the Eucharist is, is the only way f- to bring the world to peace. Amen. I, I, I don't think Catholics, I don't think it's a, a, a belief that we hold that the world will end up at a place of peace. I think it's just going to get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're not socialist, I guess you'd say. <laughs> or we're all going to have a utopia. But to get anywhere on that road, mm-hmm. you got to have the Eucharist, I think. Amen. The Amen. peace Amen. comes through it, comes mm-hmm. through Christ. You I know? think
4: that's exactly right. Our Lady of Fatima, the, before her apparitions, the angel of Fatima came to him and gave them communion. And that's uh, that was really profound because it recognizes the idea of, eucharistic reparation and and why do we need eucharistic reparation your your point number 12 is discuss abuses of the eucharist with your children and i know whenever um whenever my little sister is younger we shared a story with her about a something that happened in our own diocese where there was a eucharistic abuse and and they found our lord on the ground and my sister started weeping and um and i'm like wow like why don't I cry when I hear about these things? Like <laughs> it moves you. That's, that. that's there's something wrong yeah. with it. like the fact that they're crying is is a good thing because they're recognizing and they're sympathizing with our Lord, they're having a co-passion with our Lord like our Lady did, and that was really profound to me. How do you share about these things in a delicate manner with your children?
2: I mean, we had a really uh, easy way to do that recently with the, the local church where the tabernacle was stolen. Was it in Katy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember, Katie. but. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, I immediately heard that, and and I was like, we need to pray. We need to, to pray in reparation um, to—I mean, when you say in reparation, sometimes I think what that actually is gets lost, not that I'm an expert, but for me, it means pulling closer to Christ and comforting him in his pain. He is in pain because His his people do not love him, do not honor him, mm-hmm. and so— I will say we need to comfort Christ we need to tell him we're sorry that that happened to him Um, but I just told them I mean that was a I think there there's nothing that we need to be delicate about that's the body and blood of Christ someone stole him that's bad someone took it we don't know where it is we don't know what's happening Um, there's a very wonky church um, uh, in the Midwest where I'm from and they would take it, take the Eucharist and put nails in it. And, and, and someone had found like a trash can full Mm of, uh, hosts that just weird stuff had been done to, And, and so the kids need to know that that exists, you know? And, um, so then when they go to mass, sometimes we attend churches that you don't see a lot of reverence in them. And then we can also talk to them about why we don't receive on the hands. Um, and, but I'm I'm realistic with my kids too. Maybe this is off topic, but I've also wondered uh, when the linen cloths at the Latin Mass get rolled over um, the the communion rail mm-hmm. to catch the crumbs or anything, then they get they kind of just get flopped back over. So I, I was always like, well, what if crumbs landed on there? Is it a magnet? Like yeah. I I don't know <laughs> like how it that doesn't works. Stay, yeah. So I've we talk the thought, about too. all. We, we okay. We talk about all sorts of things right. um, related to how it should be handled, and um, and I think that's another way to show them that it's real. Mm-hmm. Like we care about what happens to it.
5: Yeah, definitely. To um, him, sorry, to him. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, that's a good uh, mm-hmm. distinction there. You know, it, I think about the the direction of the church right now. And I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but we, we really are in, in a crisis. I mean, the, the statistics that we, we stated at the beginning of this interview are, are an indication of this crisis and, um, and, and why it's so important for us to have this Eucharistic revival. But, uh, you know, your point 13 reminds me of this crisis. I, oftentimes, we're, we're taking our kids to the local church. Uh, father is is really, really busy. Mm-hmm. He's got all kinds of other duties going on and he sometimes leaves the, the catechesis classes to lay people who may not be properly formed. Uh, your point 13 is to have an active role in your child's holy communion preparation. And I, I think a lot of people uh, set up the, the, the kids in these classes and as Joe mentions, kind of calls it Ronco style. They set it and forget it and, <laughs> and they're surprised – uh, sometimes – I don't know how they could possibly be surprised, but they're surprised that the kids learn in a very distorted way about actually Holy Communion or maybe they didn't take anything away from it because mm-hmm. there was no substance in there. Can you talk about the the role of the parent to actually be the teacher in these sacramental processes?
2: I think naturally your children are more bonded to you than to anyone else. a stranger,
3: else. yeah.
2: Yeah, so they, they need – they need it to come from you because you're the most important person in their life. now, mm-hmm. if you're not treating your relationship like that, then you won't be the most important in their life or a person in their life. Yeah. they also need they don't see that teacher go to mass. they don't see that teacher, say the rosary they don't see the teacher you know just talking about their faith life they, it, my My husband made a point last night he said, "I almost wonder these days." if we should send our children to a Catholic school, even a good mm. one, he goes, what if I religion class and the teacher is a teacher I don't like, maybe a silly teacher, maybe not a very smart teacher, and I'm just kinda, you know, sitting there kinda making fun of him with my friends. He's a dude, I know he did that in school a lot. Um, well now I'm basically putting this kinda attitude of um, of silliness surrounding these very important topics, right? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And, I mean, that's just a hypothetical situation, but I think that can be applied to your children love you Mm -hmm. more than anything, and they look to you for direction. So even if they respect the teachers that are teaching them, it becomes similar to going to Mass for one hour and then not talking about it for the rest of the week.
8: Mm -hmm. You,
2: You go to your class, you learn about the Eucharist, you learn about how to receive it and how to do confession. Then you go home and you don't talk about it. Right? Is it really that important? Yeah. It's just like every other class you take. You don't sit around the table and talk about the history class. I do. What are you talking I about? I mean, I <laughs> was tenth grade
0: history student of the year. At I might. High School. What are you talking about? Okay, math about? class. Oh, pick
3: your okay. pick your
2: subject. Like, right? Who talks about math?
3: <laughs> so
2: it. if it's just this one moment during the week, that means nothing to your parents.
0: Yeah. It kind of like for the same that old saying, you know, you can be, can you be convicted uh, based on your checkbook, right? So you, it, someone can look at your checkbook and know where your priorities are. Mm-hmm. Someone can know what your priorities are based on your entertainment habits. Mm-hmm. Someone can know your priorities based on the conversations you have with your family. And if you go to mass and that's all you do, it never has any other role in your, in your family's life well, then what are we talking about here? What's the priority here? And if you're wanting to change something in your life and create a Eucharistic revival in your family, maybe this is a great place to start. Which So you're talking about changing the culture, and this is something Michelle and I, my wife and I, worked on a number of years ago. I remember saying to my wife years ago, "Uh, you know, I, I would love it if this family could learn to sing, if this family could sing a little bit. I mean, I just wanted to hear... My kids sing, and so we got a we got an old like a hundred fifty year old piano for like free. It weighed oh, wow. seventy thousand pounds. I had to have four guys help Literally. me lift this thing. <laughs> uh, we've since upgraded to a better piano. Praise be to God. Uh, someone else gifted us a new piano. We've gotten guitars. We've got violins. We've got harps. We got a Celtic drum. I mean, we're we're a band. Okay, we're waiting on the accordion to show up. The squeeze boxes in the house. I mean, it's gonna be an amazing thing. But they have learned to sing, and it's such. A beautiful thing. And you talk about this in point number 14, uh, learn traditional hymns about the Holy Eucharist as a way to change culture in your family.
2: Yeah, and you're right. That takes a lot of effort. We bought a lot of instruments ourselves, some software for making electronic music. But it's oh, wow. like, you my husband loves it. But you have to be intentional. We're going to do this 15 minutes a day. We're going uh, to do this on Sunday nights after Mass. We're going to get together and we're going to practice. We're going to learn um and that to the point of learning hymns you have to you have to do the same thing with hymns because we usually go to the low mass so we aren't hearing the hymns sung during mass and if you go to um a Nova Sordo, you're probably not hearing the hymns either um so the only way you're going to learn them is if you learn them as the parent i use square note it's amazing it's just it's an app for your phone and and it has it's almost like it has a little moving ball. you oh, know. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. so it takes you note by note. You can make yeah. it go slower, fast. So when you're learning, you can slow it down. Wow. And then you've got the added problem where you don't know Latin. It, and, and Well, so, there's the
0: English translations, too. But I, one of the things that I thought was interesting about, uh, like you said, O Salutaris or ergo." going back to what Adrian was talking about earlier about Thomas Aquinas yes. and him uh, writing the parts for uh, Christ the King, um, this is— that's a beautiful notion to think you are going to uh, to take and chew upon, meditate upon, sing, and bring about a new culture, a Eucharistic culture in your home— was something that Thomas Aquinas wrote. Okay? Yeah. Uh, Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, Co- Max Colbert, uh, Vincent Ferrer. I mean, you think about the greatest St. Dominic. You think about uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on about these incredible saints. You know, this is something they did all the time.
2: Yeah. they And, and when you read the English translations, they're all about the things that you would want to teach your children about, what the catechism is teaching them about. Mm-hmm. I can't see you. I'm seeing bread. I'm believing with my heart, right? By faith I receive you. I yearn to see you in glory in heaven. These are what these these poems are about, so.
3: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Have you ever heard people object to gold and gilded ornaments in a Catholic church? Have you ever heard them question the purpose of burning incense? How do we answer them? Simple. We answer them by pointing out the three gifts of the wise men at Christmas. If gold and incense can be brought to a stable, they can certainly be brought to a church. What do these three gifts mean? G.K. Chesterton says they represent three prophecies about the Christ child. Gold, that he should be crowned like a king. Frankincense, that he should be worshipped like a god. And myrrh that he should be buried like a man. The first two are marvelous and obvious. The third is a wonder. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. G.K. Chesterton says, "Christmas is the irresistible festival for those who are afraid to be festive." It is the spectacular festival when almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, the great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions, and they will continue to do it, and suddenly, someday they'll wake up and discover why. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. ...on
0: and on about these incredible saints, you know, this is something they did all the time.
2: Yeah. they And and when you read the English translations, they're all about the things that you would want to teach your children about, what the Catechism is teaching them about. Mm-hmm. I can't see you. I'm seeing bread. I'm believing with my heart, right? By faith I receive you. I yearn to see you in glory in heaven. These are what these, these poems are about. So um, when you are teaching them to sing, they are also... Praying basically,
0: yeah.
2: Who, who's mm-hmm. the saint that said when you sing, you pray twice? Augustine,
0: Augustine, okay.
2: So that's yeah. what it's kind of like. But I can't a-
0: wait to hear what he sounded like when he sings, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I never, I'm
4: gonna ask him. I'm He's like, probably sounded great, right? Uh, sure, he has
2: I, a, a new heavenly voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Augustine, it's perfected, He's
4: uh, often misquoted. Amen. He actually said, Um, those who sing well. Pray twice. <laughs> that's, uh, that's often. Uh, Asterisks. Taken out of there. <laughs> Asterisks.
8: Yeah, for those of us that it's, don't sing if you, well. If you
4: check the footnotes there, it says, unless your name is Joe McClain. Exactly. Uh, that's often uh, overlooked in the footnotes there. But you know, yeah. it's interesting because Holy Writ says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think that goes right along with uh, with, with singing, with singing songs. And St. Dominic was known, and when he was traveling, he would just start intoning the, Stella, the uh, Ave Maria Stella, and he would just start singing. And that just shows because when you're so happy, when you're so joyful, you just start. It ex- comes out of your mouth as as singing, and that goes right into your point number fifteen of try to exo- exude joy about being with our Lord. And I think some of that is in is in the singing, is in smiling, is in is in being excited about talking about the the, the topic of our Lord. About excited about going to mass, not being drudgery and like, oh, I gotta go to mass. Like actually having some some happiness there. Talk about a little bit about trying to exude joy.
2: With in my family, the way that I usually share that is to talk to them about something I'm struggling with and how my time in adoration or my time at mass, you know, lightened that burden. Mm. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression a lot. And it's a cross, but it is also something that continues to draw me back, you know, deeper and deeper into my relationship with Christ. Because I think when you have a a constant or like a permanent state of maybe mental health issue or or some other ailment in your body, it's actually a blessing um, because you, you are reminded every day that you can't rely on yourself, right? You're reminded Mm. every day that you really do need God. And I think everyone gets those reminders, but I feel like if you don't have that constant suffering, uh, it's easier to lie to yourself about it. So the joy that I share with my children is usually like, I am going to go get my medicine, (laughs) Like, I am going to—I love the verse about the living water where uh, Christ meets the Samaritan woman and tells her, mm. I have living water. And she's like, give me some of that, <laughs> you know? Awesome. Um, and I realized one day hearing that at, that verse at Mass that, like, that is exactly what I'm getting when I go to pray, when I go to receive, like— I, I'm getting refreshed and I'm getting renewed, and I, the, they often hear me say, mommy's just a much nicer person. You know, <laughs> wow. when I get...
0: <laughs> right under the bus, <laughs> yeah. wait till we get home. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'll, I'll just say like, guys, we're going to, why do we have to go, I'm tired. Well, mommy's a nicer person when, when you know, I get my dose mm. of that living water, you know? Yeah. Mm. So that's that's the way that I share the joy about it. But in in all things that I want my children to learn, and in, in my relationship with them, how is it going to work if I'm just crabby and stressed all the time? Mm-hmm. They're not going to take any of that in. They're going to reject it. They're going to want to reject me. They, you know, I'm going to be this kind of overbearing, negative presence around the house, which on some days I definitely am, but I can say that I've gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, meditating on what is the best way to reach my own children, has shown me there has to be joy in it. Yeah. And we're called to that, in, especially in the epistles. right? We're called to be joyful. We're called to be ready to tell others the reason for the joy in us. Mm-hmm. If I have no joy and I'm telling my kids all the time how great Jesus is and how great Mass is, it's living a lie. Just like yeah. saying we're going to Mass and it's very important and then never talking about the faith all week. It's a lie and yeah. kids are smart. Yeah. They, they know when you're not being honest. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we're down to it now. It's been 15 ways to
0: build a Eucharistic home, or as I would say, a Eucharistic revival in your home with theony Bell. And she's got a couple of articles over at 1 Peter 5 on this topic this was a two-parter, right? This two-part, yeah. two-part series here. And uh, You can find them linked up in the description of this talk. But uh, she's also got a book called The Woman in the Trees, published by Tan. And you're working on a, another book, right? Tell us about that.
2: Uh, my second book is tentatively titled Jelly Bean and uh, Holy Heroes. Ha- I just signed the contract with Holy Heroes. And in the spring, we're going to get working on the illustrations. But it's the, the life story of... Uh, my daughter who died uh when she was 27 weeks in the wo- or yes 27 weeks in the womb and then uh, i delivered her still, stillbirth mm. and so i wrote her story of you know what life was like for her interacting with sounds interacting with her siblings um and just all the love she experienced and uh in the book she's taken she's taken to heaven by our lady and then given a new mission in heaven mm-hmm. so um, to, to help all of us get to heaven. So that is going to be out with Holy Heroes. I'm also writing a script for uh, Glory Story on Our Lady of Good Help. That will be with Holy Heroes as well. I mm. see. All right. And how they find more information about all of that? They can go to my website. It's TheoniBell.com. T-H-E-O-N-I-B-E-L-L. All right, TheonyBell.com. Theony, thank you for your time today. Thank you. This was was
0: great. Great chat with you, and uh, making a Eucharistic revival in our home is so needed now more than ever. Uh, And dear listener, thank you for being such a generous giver and supporter of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Without you, it would not be possible for me to get up at 3 a.m., so thank you. For that, I guess. (laughs) Tune in to Catholic Drive Time Monday through Friday all across the GRN. You can find more information about our show on our website as well. Guadalupe Radio Network's website is grnonline.com. God bless you. God love you. And again, thank you for your generous gift.
4: bless you. God love you. And Merry Christmas. Okay, before we conclude, I have to talk just a little bit about Christmas, because Christmas— Well, you know, there's like a dozen, two dozen, three dozen songs about Christmas. And it really is the most wonderful time of year because we are preparing right now today. Today is Friday. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. And then comes the feast of Christmas. And so on this last day of Advent, right? I suppose tomorrow will be the last day of Advent. On the last days of Advent, prepare your heart for the coming of Christ Find out if there's any churches near you that are hearing confessions. Go to confession. Have your heart pure. Cleanse it. So that way you may be, as our Lord said, in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And on Christmas Day, we celebrate the coming of Christ. Not only the coming of Christ and his incarnation in the Nativity, but also And almost more importantly, and I suppose more importantly for us standing here today, the coming of Christ at the second judgment. And let us not be unprepared. Let us prepare our hearts. Let us make ourselves pure for the coming of Christ our Savior. Let's go to confession. Let's go to Mass. Let's remember the reason for the season. You see that? That kind of slogan thrown around, the reason for the season. Remember, it's Christ Mass, which is true. That is what it's talking about. That's why we celebrate it. Christ Mass. So let's go to Mass. If you can go to make it to Mass today, if you have the day off today, make it to Mass. On Saturday, Christmas Eve, make it to Mass. Celebrate it. And then Sunday, on Christmas Day, do not be like the others who are not going to mass i've saw so many reports of the different Protestant denominations saying well we 're not going to have Christmas uh, service this year no that 's the whole point. The whole point is for mass so if you make it to midnight mass, there should be three masses for Christmas. Make it to one of those. celebrate the coming of Christ in his incarnation and in his second coming, and in the glorious coming of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Let's receive him worthily so we can make sure that we are closest to God. And when you receive Holy Communion, meditate upon this thought. Our Lady, what would it have been like for Our Lady to receive our Lord in her womb at the Annunciation? what would it have been like for our lady to first hold him in her arms at the nativity? And then what would it have been like for our lady to receive him in the Holy Eucharist at the hands of St. John for the first time? Let's meditate upon that. And let's imagine the priest as our lady, having the infant child Jesus in her arms and placing, placing our Lord, into our hearts so when you kneel down and you receive him make your tongue as if it was a pillow as, a, as if it was a cradle as if it was a trough to receive the infant Lord and receive our Lord most worthily and meditate upon that on this Christmas Eve on this Christmas day and throughout the Christmas season God bless you. God love you. Monday, we'll have another pre-recorded show, but Tuesday, we'll be back live in studio. So God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you really soon. Merry Christmas and have a happy new year.
3: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and
2: inspired.
6: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi
0: in Corpus Christi, Texas.
9: Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel on December 23rd in late Advent. We offer this Mass for the intentions of our online viewers and all who are listening through Guadalupe Radio. O come, O come, Immanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice! Rejoice! you shall come to thee, O Hebek Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you.
3: With your
9: Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess. Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison.
8: Christe eleison.
9: Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, as we see how the nativity of your Son, according to the flesh, draws near, we pray that to us, your unworthy servants, mercy may flow from your word, who chose to become flesh of the Virgin Mary and establish among us his dwelling, Jesus Christ our Lord. Who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
7: Amen. Reading from the book of the prophet Malachi Thus says the Lord God Lo, I am sending my messenger. To prepare the way before me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek, and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Yes, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, or like the fuller's lie. He will sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. Refining them like gold or like silver. That they may offer due sacrifice to the Lord. Then the sacrifice of Judah and Jerusalem. As in the days of old, as in years gone by. Lo, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the day of the Lord comes. The great and terrible day. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with doom. The word of the Lord. Lift up your heads and see, your redemption is near at hand. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Lift up your heads and see your redemption is near at hand. Good and upright is the Lord, thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice, he teaches the humble his way. Lift Lift up your your heads heads and see, your redemption redemption is near near at at hand. hand. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him, and his covenant for their instruction.
6: Lift, Lift up, up your heads, heads and see. see, your redemption,
7: redemption is near at hand.
9: Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. O King of all nations and keystone of the Church, Come and save man whom you formed from the dust. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, She gave birth to a son her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her and they rejoiced with her when they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child they were going to call him Zechariah after his father but his mother said in reply no he will be called John but they answered her there is no one among your relatives who has this name so they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name, and all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke, Blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What, then, will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are in the final days of Advent. And so we have been reviewing these events that took place leading right up to the birth of Christ. And today in our gospel reading, we are now just three months, just three months before Christ's birth. In our first reading, we heard some of the final words from the book of the prophet Malachi. Seemingly, the final words of all the prophets spoken some 400 years before Christ was born. And after this, an experience of prophetic silence. And among these final words as we heard, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the day of the Lord comes. And as we know, St. John the Baptist fulfilled this prophecy. And we know, of course, as we've been hearing on these Sundays about how he appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a message and a baptism of repentance. But his role as forerunner was not simply limited to these words and actions as an adult. St. John the Baptist was the forerunner, the precursor of the Lord, also in his very being and the events of his life. So as we have been hearing this week, as we have been hearing in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, first, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah in the temple, and everybody knew it because of how Zechariah was struck Mute and apparently deaf. Pointing towards how the angel Gabriel would come to Mary six months later, though nobody would know it. And St. John the Baptist's conception was miraculous. An old couple never able to have children beyond the age of having children. And he was conceived. And everybody knew it. Pointing towards the greater miracle of how the incarnation would occur in a virgin. And nobody would notice that anything was unusual. And then we heard about the visitation and how the Virgin Baptist leapt for joy within his mother's womb and communicated to the Holy Spirit and that knowledge she could not possibly have known or even imagined that the Lord himself would be within her cousin. And then today, it comes to his birth and his birth accompanied by a sign, his father being able to speak, which everybody noticed, and they talked throughout the whole hill country. Pointing to how three months later, not so far away in Bethlehem, would be born the one who is true God and true man, and nearly no one would notice. But again and again, see John the Baptist's person and his life, as well as his words and his actions, point toward the Lord and prepare for him. Fulfilling the promise of the prophets Perhaps on this day we can reflect also upon Zechariah We know that we heard back on Monday that he and Elizabeth were considered righteous That is the Bible speaks of them as righteous not a small thing perfectly faithful to the Lord's commands But they experienced the great sorrow of never being able to have children Hard for couples today, far harder in that culture back in the first century. And we see that Zechariah apparently, though he was faithful, had had some bitterness and sorrow grow in his heart. We see that in how he spoke back to the angel. And so the angel gave him a punishment, or should we say gave him a gift, that he would not speak for the whole of the pregnancy. And so it is that he had not spoken for nine months. And it seems that he had been taking in this great blessing that the Lord was giving to him and his wife, and indeed to the whole people that this child miraculously conceived would go before the Lord, that he was there because the Messiah was being given to Israel and Zechariah had time to reflect upon this and perhaps upon other good things he experienced in his life so that when he was finally able to speak again he spoke blessing God and tomorrow we will hear those words that he spoke and we hear not bitterness but we hear joy perhaps you who are listening might even feel a little bit of bitterness because of things that have happened in your life perhaps you know somebody who has Perhaps it might be good to imitate the example of Zechariah not being struck mute for nine months, but taking some quiet time to reflect upon not only the difficult things that you may have experienced, but upon the blessings the Lord has given to you in the past and even now. And perhaps above all, in the gift of our Lord Jesus, the Son of the Father, the one who is sent to set you and me free, who is set to save us soak that in and see whether that doesn't give some joy and peace and sweetness in place of the bitterness as it did for Zechariah. Lift up your hands and see. Your redemption is near at hand. Brothers and sisters, let us go out to meet the Lord, who on Christmas comes to us with plans of peace and salvation, and let us confidently present to him our supplications. That the whole Christian people, following in the footsteps of Mary, may prepare itself to celebrate with love and live with thanksgiving the first saving movements of Jesus the Redeemer, let us pray to the Lord. That the Son of God, who's coming into the world in the humility of the flesh, we are preparing ourselves to celebrate, may have compassion on the poor and the humble. Let us pray to the Lord. That the eternal Word of God, who willed to be born poor in Bethlehem, may teach us to love the deprived and despised. Let us pray to the Lord. That all of us may fruitfully celebrate the coming festivities of Christmas and advance in the school of the Son of God-made man, let us pray to the Lord. O Lord Jesus, who through your birth come to heal our hearts, hear the prayer of your people, and grant to us what we have graciously asked of you, who live and reign forever and ever.
8: Come, Thou long-expected Jesus, Born to set Thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, Let us find our rest in Thee. His trials, strength and consolation, Hope of all the earth Thou art. Dear desire of every nation, Joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, Born a child and yet a king, Born to reign in us forever, Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal Spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne.
9: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May this oblation by which divine worship in its fullness has been inaugurated for us be our perfect reconciliation with you, O Lord, that we may celebrate with minds made pure, the nativity of our Redeemer, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, sanctus, sanctus dominus degus abahod, plenis unce terra, gloria tua. Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done let us offer each other the sign of peace. On your staggay, quit peccata mundi. Mi serere no nobis. On your staggay, quit peccata mundi. Me no hobbies onusste keggy Que peccata mundi, Don' nobis Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door to me, I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me.
8: For those of, who cannot receive communion or are joining us online or through Guadalupe Radio, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. Creator of the stars of night, Thy people's everlasting light, O Jesus, Savior of us all, Regard Thy servants when they call. Thou grieving at the bitter cry Of all creation dooms to die, Didst come to save a ruined race With healing gifts of heavenly grace Thou camest bridegroom of the bride As drew the world to evening tide Proceeding from a virgin shrine The son of man yet Lord divine At thy great name exalted now, all knees must bend, all hearts must bow, and things in heaven and earth shall own that thou art Lord and King alone. Let us pray.
9: Grant your peace, O Lord, to those you have nourished with these heavenly gifts, that we may be ready with lighted lamps to meet your dearly beloved Son at his coming, who lives and reigns forever and ever.
3: Amen.
9: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.
6: transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
3: Hi,
2: I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio
3: for your soul.